Hi everyone, I'd like to introduce Maryam Musadli. Um, so Maryam, could you just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do? Oh my God, I hate introducing myself, seriously. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so I started my career um, over 16 years ago, um, working in journalism and content uh, development. That's what we called it back in the day. There was no content creation. And, uh, you know, from that point, I ended up starting my own communications consulting firm called Niche Arabia, which I established 10 years ago. Um, and we work with some of the biggest brands in fashion and luxury, from Fendi to Prada to Piaget to Cartier, I mean, you name it. Um, we, you know, we've worked with them, and our goal has always been to help them penetrate the Saudi market even further by knowing and catering to the Saudi um, consumer. So really having that customization um, there, whether it's in a campaign or an activation or you know, simply even product design, you know, sometimes we even get down to that level. And throughout uh, my career, and in addition to this, you know, at the same time, I've been working on Under the Abaya, which is a not-for-profit not uh, initiative that basically um, empowers women in Saudi Arabia by creating uh, funds by selling this book. And what we do is we put women in different scholarships. Um, in addition to that, I also have Saudi Style Council, which I launched last year, Oh, well, technically this year, um, you know, but you know how COVID years are, it's quite slow, but we started uh, Saudi Style Council, which is also a not-for-profit trade association that helps connect Saudi creatives or Saudi-based creatives with international companies and publications in order for us to create their content. So whether it's an uh, uh, sorry, editorial or a fashion film, or even just, you know, styling, we're there to kind of, you know, do the, everything besides the designer. So everything, sorry, aside from the designer. And that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. Well, that's really cool. So a lot of what you do is um, sort of like connect, um, like part of what you do is like connect Saudi women to like scholarships or like communities. Uh -huh. And um, it, it's, it's really cool because we don't have much of that. Like if we're talking about like things relating to the art or like um, if you're in a uh -huh. Your modeling or all these sort of like uh, leaning more towards that like spectrum. We don't have a lot of that in terms of like opportunities. So I think that's pretty cool in what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. No, I think, I mean, look, I think what, you know, now women empowerment is really lovely and trending and I love that. Like that's not a complaint at all. That's actually, um, you know, something I'm super proud of. You know, we started Under the Abaya in 2016 as an initiative, and then 2018 was our first book. I, you know, I'm happy to say that we've kind of have set the trail for this. And I mean, even now this month, we started this campaign where we had, um, you know, our big influencers to give up their um, their accounts for 24 hours to a girl that they felt was deserving. And even from just that, we've had so many influencers now approach us and say, "Hey, we want to be part of this, you know, this initiative." And so we're going to be continuing that, inshallah, after after Eid. And I think, you know, it's always lovely to feel that you are making a difference. And I think, you know, now if you look on online, you'll find so many of these different platforms that are like Saudi women's stories or, you know, Saudi, um, you know, uh, Saudi women empowerment or you know, these different forums that I think, you know, that have popped up within the last, you know, two to three years. And for me, that's super exciting. That means we're doing something right. That means that people are seeing that what we're doing and they're seeing the results, they're seeing the impact that's happening. Um, and that's always just, you know, the best type of validation to have, you know, possible. So I'm very excited about that. And 
you know, it's, it is such a woman's, uh, sorry, such a group effort because it's really, it's women supporting women. Um, you know, the whole concept is that women are, you know, submitting their photos for free and then we're putting them together and then, you know, we're, we're then selling them. So it's, it's really is, you know, full circle in a way. Yeah. And, um, going off of what you said, I wanted to talk a little sure. bit Instagram. So your relationship with Instagram, your thoughts on Instagram, like merely focusing on. Ah, oh, okay. Sure. I hate it. <laughs> Can I say that? Um, I think that I'm one of those self-hating, um, people online that has, you know, I always tell people I'm not an influencer. I'm an editor with an online presence. And I think there's a really big, you know, um, uh, there's a there's a there is a definitive you know bleh, let me say that again there's definitely a you know a difference between um an influencer and someone that's online for me you know influencer has this connotation but that's actually a job that's actually where someone is making income and i don't you know um disparage from people from doing that i think that that's definitely something that's great that you know people are able to have careers out of this um you know this, these platforms but for me, what I kind of do is I use um, Instagram and social media in a way to draw more attention and shine the spotlight on my, the, you know, the causes and the stuff that I'm doing, whether it's a pop-up for Saudi designers or it's, you know, a different type of campaign or something for under the Abaya. You know, I'm able to use that to highlight my work. And, and for me, that's, you know, an amazing opportunity, but at the same time, it is frustrating because I think a lot of times when people think, oh, she has a following, she must be an influencer, therefore, let's see every single aspect of her life or, you know, let's send her products and let her post about it as ads. You know, that's not really what I do. I, you know, I, any type of, you know, uh, let's say paid collaboration that I do, it's always with either under the Abaya or Saudi Style Council. So, for example, if there's a, I don't know, diapers or children's baby milk, because, you know, I have a two year old. I would tell them, okay, but I'm not doing this for free. What I'm going to do is that you need to donate X amount of, you know, milk or diapers to, you know, single moms, single working moms or something. So it's always something to give back. You know, alhamdulillah, I'm in, I'm in a place in my, you know, my life, my career where I can afford to do that. And that's, you know, something that's, I'm very fortunate to have. Um, that being said, the, the, you know, the, the downside to that is that then again, they want to see every aspect of your life. And for me, I'm a quite a private person. Um, you know, I, and, and I always tell people, whatever you see online, it's, you know, it's the highlight reel. It's, it's just, it's what we've curated for you. It's never going to be that authentic by default. Even the ones that say, oh, here, here's me bathing my kid. Here's me, you know, getting my nails done. Here's me doing this. Um, it's not, it's, it's never going to be, you know, a documentary because by definition, you're not putting in everything you're putting in what you, you know, you've edited into a montage. Yeah. So you'd say you're more of a public figure than you are an influencer. Yeah, for sure. I'm not an influencer because I don't do that as a career. I don't do ads. I don't go and, you know, attend events for coverage. It's either it's a niche event or it's an under that buy event or there's some type of, you know, um, some type of collaboration with Saudi Style Council. Or I'm going there as an attendee because it's something of interest. But it's not something that I do as a job. No. Well, you know, I think it's really cool that you, um, the way, like, you share, like, your post on Instagram is really cool because you're not just like posting you you're like posting a lot of aspects of your life (laughs) 
Yeah. Thank you. They, well, you know, it's funny because I, you know, it's kind of, like I said, like, I think maybe that's what I, I hate about social media is that I feel like, Oh, if I post a selfie, I'll get, you know, a thousand likes. But if I post something that is meaningful to me that maybe I wrote and took time to, to, you know, write a caption and, you know, the content of it or, you know, whatever, even if the visual behind it, um, it'll get like, you know, 10 likes. And the difference is that people want to see the person. They want to see the individual, you know, within that context. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I've always done this and I, and I, you know, and I remember saying like, you know, my, you know, people that I've worked with and, you know, other influencers, oh, Miriam, you need to do more um, outfit posts. I even had a contract um, years ago with a Pepsi brand. Well, sorry, with the beverage brand. Well, I just said it, <laughs> Pepsi. And what they, you know, the deal was that I was the first study that they signed with and literally it was to amplify my content. So the deal that I had was that whatever I do in fashion, this was when I was under shoes and drama, they would amplify it. And I was like, awesome. And then all of a sudden, you know, a month into this, I get a call and they're like, Hey, could you just do more selfies? And I was like, uh, no, that's not the deal. You're not helping, you know, you're not giving me any content to post. You're supposed to just be, you know, supporting me. And, you know, it's a, a conversation that I've had often, especially early on. And I have to tell you, the one thing I have to say is that if you look back 10 years ago, when I started with those same, let's say, you know, influencers, they're no longer relevant. And I think the reason behind that is because they focus so much on themselves. And as your life changed, you know, like I got married, I had a kid, I'm not, you know, a 20 something year old Instagram model. And I can't compete with those, you know, beautiful 20, 20 year old Instagram models, but I was able to stay relevant through, you know, my work. And with them, because they were just, you know, a billboard in a sense, a digital billboard, it it is a struggle for them. And you see them and you see them still struggling to this day, um, you know, trying to keep up with that content and it's hard. And so I think, you know, it's really important if you are, you know, whether you're a personality, public, sorry, public personality or, um, you know, an influencer that you understand what's the timeline and you understand how to evolve. Because I think a lot of times, if you look back, you see some of these girls that have been online for 10 years, like, oh my God, they're still doing the same exact thing. You know, they're still going around like, oh my God, I love this, you know, ring. Thank you. You know, like our uh, unboxing, you know, and you're like, okay, that's great. But you know, now you're almost 40. Um, shouldn't you be buying that Dior bag instead of getting it, you know, gifted to you <laughs> or lent to you? They don't even gift, but you know what I mean? So I think that it's, it's really interesting to see how the pros of, of, of putting yourself out is that, yes, you might get instant um, return, but then the longevity of it is really, you know, not there. So do you think that like there are certain people when they're using Instagram, they sort of like subconsciously adopt, adopt this like forced identity? Like they're trying to be something they're not necessarily something they're trying because they have this, like, I don't know about you, but maybe because they have this public account or even if they have this private account and they'd have like, viewers they have they sort of subconsciously try to like force something or have like this obligation because of their viewers so they sort of like act differently or have to like feel like they have to look a certain way or like try to embody a certain thing that your viewers would like to see if you know or you're trying to like i mean Sure. I think, look, I think, I think that this is, um, I, I think, I think, look, I think no matter where you are, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, you know, 
the human race. We're always trying to put our best foot forward. We always want to make a good impression. Um, and I think with social media, the fact that there's just so much access to these people's lives, yes, it's affected people. You know, I, I've met girls that literally have to spend, you know, an hour every day to put on their makeup. Okay, maybe, I mean, it doesn't have to be an hour, but I just mean they have to look done up before they go on social media. And when I've asked them why, you know, why can't you just go without makeup? And they say, because my followers don't like it. They, they respond negatively. So they're kind of, be, have become a slave to their followers. And I think that's super interesting. And I think, you know, that's also where we get into this kind of scary part. Like, you know, who, you know, as a content creator, are you kind of, you know, um, you know, forced to, to, to be at the kind of the beck the call of, of your followers and your, and your brands, you know, Oh, we don't like, you know, this haircut. We, we want you to keep long hair. This is what the majority of people want. Or, you know, maybe you were forced to go on TikTok because you need to remain relevant, even though, you know, you, you're not a dancer. I don't know what, I actually don't even know what goes on TikTok anymore. <laughs> I'm sure there's more to that, but do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I definitely think there is that pressure, but it's that same social pressure that you would get from, you know, going out with friends, but it's just the difference of that is that now it's, 24 seven. And again, you have the choice not to be on the phone 24 seven, but not if you want to make this your career. And that's what I'm saying. We can't really judge, you know, the, these people, um, these, you know, or these influencers because that's their job. That's how they make their income. And I always, you know, I cannot, um, you know, think poorly about someone that is trying to make a living to me, you know, no matter what. And so I, I definitely, you know, applaud them. And I just have I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, you know, hats off to them because it's a lot of work. If anyone tells you it's not, oh, I just, you know, I'm the lazy one. I'm the one that just posts whatever. And that's why you'll see me looking like crap online. It's because I, I just don't have the time. But for these other girls that have, you know, that get their makeup done and then use a filter and then Photoshop. And I don't mean Photoshop to look thinner or, or something like that. I just mean Photoshop to, you know, make the colors cohesive with the rest of their grid or whatever it is. You know, that's all effort. Um, and I think, I mean, if you look at, you know, the biggest influencers, not just in our region, but worldwide, they have a team, an entire team behind them. You know, content, as they say, is king. And I think that that's definitely true these days because we're just bombarded with so much crap, you know, on online these days that we are, we're, we're, you know, we're craving something authentic. And I put that in quotes, authentic in quotes, because again, there's nothing really truly authentic on social media, um, unless you're doing an Instagram live, I guess. <laughs> and I think girls have this sort of pressure in terms of Instagram and the way they post and how their like feed is has this open space for judgment and criticism and negative comments if we're comparing them to men you know because yeah. I don't think they like okay both genders have their issues or have these like social pressures but I think if we're uh, talking about Instagram or some people girls like, face this kind of way more brutal than they, like they don't want if we're comparing it to guys, you know. Yeah. No, you know it's funny. They don't want. They don't want something. Okay, sorry. Like, sorry. You know. You know. It's really funny because I was just like on a panel um, for this UN Women's uh, to, thing, like, and the basically the topic of it was invisible monsters or you know visible haters. There's about people on social media, and the guy who was moderating it was the editor. Matthew from Esquire, 
And I yeah. thought it really funny because, you know, um, we were talking about this and I so said, you know, it's really interesting that today, you have um, me, um, who's, you know, an entrepreneur. Um, you have Raha Muharrik, who's, a, you know, a, an athlete or climb Mount Everest, you know. And then you have Leila Karzan, who is a singer. I said, not one of us are, you know, considered, well, I mean, we have influence again online, but we are not an Instagram model. We have not, that's not our career. And yet we're all giving this talk about how people are judging our appearances yes, yes, online. So I think as women, no matter what field you get into, you're going to be judged based on, you know, your, your appearance. Whereas with a man, that might not be, always be the case. So I definitely think there is a gender discrepancy between, you know, how women and men are, are, are looked at. You know, I always used to tell the girls in my office, I said, you know, I don't wear makeup to meetings. And I used to do it intentionally. And now, I, again, I just do it because I'm too busy with, you know, a kid and a husband and a, and a, a career. But... You know, I used to do that intentionally because I wanted the people in the office to think, oh my God, I'm impressed. How many hours did she spend on her presentation rather than wondering how many hours I spent on doing my hair and my makeup for that meeting? And I think, you know, there's something to be said about having that kind of confidence and also kind of, you know, being in the same field as the boys. You know, the boys don't have to get all done up when they go to meetings, but we've done it. And we've done it as, you know, part of our, our gender roles. That being said... Uh, I also think it's empowering yeah, to put like on this. makeup yeah. and a pair of heels. You know, I also don't think we need to give up our femininity so nice to to be like the men. But you know, it's just again, it's what's your life, focus like in the workplace? Yeah, I, I I tend to be um, a bit more like on level with the with like the men. Um, but then I'm not shy and embarrassed to you know get all dolled up because I also want to celebrate my femininity. I I am I'm one of those you know I I don't know those I'm definitely not a Western feminist. I'm one of the I'm an Arab feminist where I believe women. Women are far more superior. We have control of our men, for sure. <laughs> and that's really um, hard to find. Like that's It's interesting that you say that because a lot of times when so I'm looking about, like, even when uh, I'm like, like just if looking at your Instagram, like mainly focusing about YouTube, the Arab I, culture and how, like, because a part of the Arab I don't know um, who you are. It's definitely just, a part of it is our religion. Like they're correlated. Yourself, like they go hand in hand, that, or really they're like engrossed together. Like, they're. I don't think that you, you can like separate them because keep, when like, we see something, when we're looking at religion, and we see what's like. Yeah. Doesn't um, have to be religion enforced upon men and women and you see that like playoff in culture you see that there is a discrepancy where um if we're seeing this social media account and this girl is posting um without a hijab um yeah without a hijab and um you could see methan um there's some if she's not wearing then she's at fault but the but the people who are negatively commenting in an, in an attacking way or you see g- guys that are not um i'd say like quote on quote method and um doing like what is enforced upon them in in religion whether it's on social media whether it's not on social media i think that there is a discrepancy when we see how religion which is supposed to be equal between both genders upon what's enforced. When you see that play off in culture, there is definitely. Well, look, I think I think though, you know, one thing to note on that on that is that yeah, in terms of what they're judging, it's again. Uh, all regarding the public sphere. So, you know, Islamically, it's like, what can you reveal as, as women, right? Where men can probably reveal more. So that being said, that's probably why they're, you know, there's more harsher restrictions or comments to these women. But I have to, 
to you. Now, you know, since, I don't even want to say since uh, 2030, because that's how, you know, the vision 2030 was announced, but it's, you know, it almost is in a way, since the whole kind of mentality of Saudi has shifted, I'm, I'm really shocked to see how supportive, or may, not even supportive, how tolerant, and I think that's really been the shift, how so, so tolerant the, the, you know, the Saudi Arabia is, the kingdom has been towards the people like Talida Tamar, who is, you know, Saudi's first international model and, you know, dresses, quote unquote, you know, uh, not modestly at all, you know, but, you know, she's, she has a, an Italian mother, she's lived abroad. So, you know, for her, that's how she wants to, to dress. And, you know, I love the fact that we can, we can accept that, you know, there's not just one way of being a Saudi um, Muslim girl, those multiple, you know, variations of that. And that's actually what under the Abaya is about. It's about showcasing all these different ways, whether you're Amy Rocco wearing, you know, a naqab and, you know, funky colors or, you know, you're, again, Talita Tamer, you know, in a bikini in Mykonos. I think, you know, what's beautiful about that is that we're showing these different things. And, you know, I always tell people, you don't have to be, um, you know, modern and not be traditional. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. You can be both of them. And I love that about our country. And I love that about this new generation. We're seeing that we're proud to, to be conservative and be traditional and still be modern. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I love it when I see a girl come up to me and say, you know, hey, I would love to be a model and she's mahajaba. That's awesome. She's not letting anything stop her from fulfilling her dreams. And in fact, I kind of have, and I mean, this might be a shock to some people, but I have, a, you know, the adverse reaction when it comes to when I see, you know, more Saudi girls kind of showcasing, you know, dressing and twerking and wearing tight leggings and, and doing stuff on, on, on social media. I'm like, that wasn't you five years ago. And I get it. We all, you know, dress a certain way privately, but I still feel that, you know, my country is a conservative country. I'm going to respect that. And, you know, you might see me in a crop top, you know, walking the streets in LA, but you're not going to see me ever posting that on my social media where I have a bunch of, you know, um, local followers. That's, that's not what I'm about. I don't tend, you know, I definitely don't deny it. I never say that, you know, I'm a modest dressing person, but I do, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. Like, it's like, if I went to the Vatican, I'm not going to, you know, even though I'm not Catholic, I'm still going to dress in a way that's respectful to the Vatican. And I have that kind of mentality when it comes to my country. You know, Saudi is a, you know, it's the home of the two holy mosques. And there is some type of uh, respect and modesty that I feel. And this is, again, by the way, this is a personal, personal opinion. You were just talking about me personally you know, of how I feel. Um, and, and that's how I'm always going to, you know, act. That's always going to be my decorum. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's not just you there. There are like a, a lot of, in, uh, like, like, for example, for instance, Yara Namla, she's not uh, a hijabi in real life. Like she doesn't wear the hijab yeah. but in front of her, like through social media, she does wear the hijab. And, and it's sort of this, I think it's very smart that she does that because, because she's sort of um, trying to, um, I don't know how to explain this, but um, please both parties, I guess, like um, have the, have this respect towards her culture and um, how and her Saudi viewers, and at the same time, sort of challenge that there is no there is no such like um, female Saudi woman. Like a Saudi woman can be whoever she wants to be, and I think mm-hmm. she's doing that. There is like this um i don't know I think no i love it yeah i know th- and i i yeah i know yada personally and I, I mean she always corrects me she's like i'm not a modest you know influencer you know she just does that out of respect and that, that's exactly where i understand what i 
don't appreciate, and I've seen this with some influencers, and I don't even mean Saudis, but they be, they're mahajaba or they, you know, they don't, they don't have to state it, but let's say they're, they're covered. And then all of a sudden when they take it off, what I don't like is that they bank off of it. Don't bank off of it. Look, you're, you being mahajaba is between you and God. This is what I've always been taught. You know, a girl's, uh, you know, con, you know, how modest she is, is between her and Allah. But that being said, I don't appreciate it when they've gotten this, you know, following and they have, you know, they're a role model to all these young girls. And then it's like, oh, I took off my hijab and now I can finally be me. Like, no, like what? You could still be you with the hijab. And, you know, some, yes, maybe some people were for it's forced upon, whether it's through family, through society. I get that. But don't also, um, you know, negate all of the, you know, the stuff that other girls that are mahajiba that are, you know, being themselves. Because to me, it's, it makes it sound as if one way is better than the other. And I definitely disagree with that mentality. I mean, there's this amazing influencer. Her name is Mirva Flowers. She's based out of Medina and she wears the naqab. And I have to tell you guys, like, yeah, not just the hijab, naqab, okay? And she goes out with her mom on every single press trip. She is one of the top YouTubers in our, in our country. She is awesome. And I love the fact that she doesn't let anything stop her. And she can be a role model to those more conservative girls. I mean, it would just kill me, though, if all of a sudden I saw her and she was like, yep, you know, click on my YouTube, you know, link uh, to find out why I take off the hijab. No, like, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> like, you know, like, take it off, sure, and whatever, but don't make it clickbait for your views. That's what bothers me. That kind of banking, that kind of exploitation bothers me. And I've seen it multiple times. I've seen it where it's like the girl's like, oh, come see me at, you know, this makeup brand because today I reveal my face for the first time. No, that's, that's not the right way. And in I, my opinion. Yeah, and I think uh, because you have the social responsibility, whatever it is, like, I just feel like you're, having like you said this big number of viewers and sort of using that for clickbait that that's really interesting i never realized that when you were mentioning it Danny. using that no no yeah because i mean that's what happens i mean and i, I you know i i know this because i've worked with some of the makeup brands like oh well well she's our face maybe we could do like a big reveal and i mean i'm not even saying it's the, the idea of the influencer sometimes it's the brand but you know they can be coerced and you know convinced and i think you know that's where I don't appreciate it. I, again, everyone's choice to be as conservative or as modest as they want is their decision. I just don't appreciate it being, it being used as clickbait or, you know, for financial gain, you know, like I've, I've seen an influencer who, again, you know, was apparently, you know, forced to be Mahajaba, but then they've, she, you know, did collaborations with modest fashion. And then she did collaborations with hijabs, you know, like, that to me is then why are you doing that if you hate it so much if you were so suppressed and forced why would you be doing this like and that's where i just feel that superficiality comes out and i i don't know i don't uh i don't really appreciate it <laughs> like you sharing yourself and like sharing your life and you like you're trying to embody you and 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 like mm -hmm. others to like be themselves and when you're trying to do something because of like financial gain or whatever it is. It, it I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's going to be quite obvious which influencer I'm talking about. So I can just, well, I won't say the name still out of respect, but you know, she made a book. She did a book out of it. She's not, by the way, she's not from the Khadij. So it, it's someone it's more international, but she wrote a book about, you know, modest, modesty and modest fashion. And then to kind of do this, like, I mean, look, we all, we all change, we all grow, but again, I don't know. 
I, that's yeah, that's where I'm coming in and <laughs> judging. See, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're on social media. You get people judging you, even if you don't want it. And you know, I think we're all kind of guilty of it, even as much as we try to not do it. You know, and especially as women, I hate I hate to see that. I, you know, I always look at someone. I'm like, okay, that's not what I would do, but it doesn't mean that I am better than that person. It doesn't mean that that person is less than me. And I think as long as we remind ourselves that everyone is different. Um, you know, it, it allows us to appreciate people a lot better, for sure. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring one more question. I, I really want sure. To, um, so there's a lot of like girls I know, like friends of mine, or even like mm-hmm. I follow that don't necessarily have this like big following. They're just starting off, and mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 sometimes I feel like um, they really they have this like fear of trying to like or or they're sort of in this phase where they're trying to make a presence they're trying to they're trying to grow their following and and at the same time they do have this fear of being like seen as what what is she trying to do or what is she trying to so I, I know exactly what you're saying. And, and look, and this is where I think, okay, now we can talk about the word authenticity. Now that comes into play. And I think what my advice to them would be is stay as authentic as you can. And even, for example, if you're looking at this from a you know financial um, aspect, like where you, know, you want to have that income, select brands and collaborations that are still true to your taste. And it's very awkward when you see, you know, weird brand adjacencies with someone, you know, like, you know, I, I don't know the other day, like I got, um, you know, laundry detergent and I'm like, okay, like, but everyone knows I don't probably wash my own clothes. You know, I, that is not, this is not me. I'm not, uh, like I'm not someone that always shows my domestic life, but I'm the always showing me in the office or whatever. It just was a very awkward connection. I mean, not saying that I don't have my clothes washed, I, I, you know, I'll, I have to wear clean clothes, but it's not something that is normal to my content. I mean, I could say the same thing too as well about politics. You know, I often get asked, oh, why don't you talk about this issue and this issue? And for me, I'm one of those people, you know, I went to George Washington University in DC. I went to a very high politicized school. You know, everyone was into politics. I was in the Elliott School of International Affairs, um, one of, you know, the top five in, in, in the US. And I, I still felt that, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I still feel that I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to put that out there on my platform because the moment I start, I'll never stop. And, you know, again, what, okay, maybe it's bombings in Syria, but maybe tomorrow, you know, there's, there's, you know, something happening in the Congo, there's something happening, you know, wherever in the world. And then where does it stop? And then when does my platform go from becoming a fashion platform to becoming a political one? And I think, you know, it's really quite interesting, I think for a lot of fashion people, because right now our fashion is very political. What designer you wear makes a statement. Um, whether it's sustainable, organic, made in China, made, you know, with child labor, made in, you know, what, you know, with whatever cotton. I mean, these are the things that now are being, are influencing the conscious consumer. And so it makes sense that we would kind of have content that kind of touches on those issues. But then again, I'm keeping them to fashion issues and it has to be relevant. But I'm often, you know, told and people try to convince me, no, 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 you should post this. You should post this in solidarity. You should post this. And I'm like, you know, I have friends coming from those countries. I have that, you know, and I, you know, I, I don't want to feel forced. And going back to this whole thing about, you know, with these up and coming uh, influencers, don't feel forced. Don't, make sure you stay true to yourself. Make sure that whatever you're posting is natural to you. 
Um, you know, yes, curate, uh, you know, clean it up, sure, you know, so that it looks proper. You know, you don't want just like a, you know, running stream of your thoughts. <laughs> but that being said, don't let it be forced. Um, and I think that would be like kind of my, my best advice to them. But I think when you're trying to stay true to yourself, like let's take, for instance, Amy Ruko. So she's mm -hmm. crazy and everybody does love her. And, and I think what she does is phenomenal and, and it's cool and it's great and she's being herself and, and, and it's nice. And just when you see like she, now that she's gained a following and she's become like this public figure, she's been, she's praised. But I, I just feel like if, you're in that like stage where you don't really have a following you're trying to get a following and you're trying to stay true to yourself it's kind of hard when you have this like pressure or this uh, this like those feelings of um maybe i'm gonna ma be made fun of if i'm if, if i want to be myself or if i want to do this you know you uh wait sorry who are you mentioning who was the person you were talking about so I feel like if we if, if we take Mata and Amy Roko, for example. Ah, Amy Roko. Okay, yeah. No, like Amy Roko. Okay, I get exactly what I said. No, no, that makes sense now. <laughs> Sorry. So, Yanni, look, to be a pioneer or to be, you know, first to market, there's, it requires high risk. And that's something that, you know, I know all too well, because I remember when I started doing, you know, I did the first female um, public sports day. I, you know, was one of the first uh, people to be on social media back in the day when, you know, this thing all started out, um, you know, and as a fashion person, obviously you had Twitter and you had stuff like that. But, um, you know, and I actually hired the only five bloggers out of Jeddah at the time, Dari Noyar, uh, Ala Balki, uh, Noha Youssef, uh, Ghadir, um, this, um, what's her, her last name? Her, her Instagram was Ghadir Alsh, A-L-S. Anyway, um, and I had them all on my payroll, and those were, that was my, my niche team. And I mean, I got a lot of flack from my family. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, tr you know, why are you putting yourself out there? It's weird. It's crass. It's not what Arabs do. You know, we don't show off because social media essentially is peacocking, right? It's like, oh, look at this bag. Oh, look at this, you know, look where I'm going. And it's so against what our normal, you know, day-to-day -day life is as, as Arabs, you know, uh, as Saudis specifically. And I think it was, you know, it's, but then now, you know, 10 years later, I feel like I am one of the strongest people with clout in terms of the fashion industry here in Saudi. And I say that very humbly, but I say that, you know, in a way, because I know what I've done. I've worked in this industry for over 16 years. I, I saw the struggle. I, you know, I went through it. I saw these changes happen in my country and I was part of it. And that's amazing. Um, so I think that, you know, there's definitely risk and there is definitely, you know, if you're going to put yourself out there, be prepared to have negative feedback or to have people kind of snap back at you. But if you believe in what you do, and that's where, again, I'm going to go back to my advice. You know, if you're, if you're authentic with who you are and what you want to do, it won't matter. And at the end, when you do come up, you know, uh, come out on top of these things, it'll, it'll be something that you're proud of. Um, and you won't feel like I've, you know, I've, um, what's the word, uh, not sacrifice myself, but that I gave in, that I conceded on things that I shouldn't have. You won't have that regret because you stay true to yourself. You were saying something about challenges. So you faced some challenges before you, like, or you, you gave in too, like, too much into this and, you, and you, it was a risk. And, and if you could talk about mm -hmm challenges you face just sure i mean i think i think i've definitely you know 
again, no, no one's perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. There's so many times where I'm like, ah, I'm cringing. Like, I can't believe I did that campaign with, you know, I don't know, Pepsi. I'm going to just say Pepsi again, because that's the brand I mentioned before, but you know, that whatever, like, I can't believe that, you know, I, you know, I, I had that thought, but you know, at the same time, I'm kind of glad that, that it's documented. I, you know, now we live in this time of this cancel culture where it's like, oh my God, can you believe that when she was, you know, six years old, she dressed up as a native American, that's misappropriation. We should cancel her. Oh my God. Like relax guys. And also if we were perfect and aware from day one, then there wouldn't be a reason to learn or to grow. But the truth is, is that we make mistakes as humans. We learn. And I really am anti this cancel culture. I believe in education culture. Let's educate people. When people start thinking that, you know, when I went in 2016 to Los Angeles and started under the Abaya as a talk about female entrepreneurs in fashion, and people were asking me questions about why I didn't have a hijab on, or how did I get to work, quote unquote, insinuating that I might go on a camel. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous that it's 2016. and I'm still getting asked these questions. That being said, I didn't go and say, Hey, I'm never going to Los Angeles again, or these people are all stupid. Instead, I said, you know what, I'm going to create a book and I'm going to make it the Saudi's first street style book so that it's super, um, you know, appealing and it goes everyone's social media and that, you know, Vogue Italia wants to write about it, Marie Claire, Nylon Japan, and I'm going to get the word out about what Saudi women are like. And that's what I did. And I think it's about taking action. Yeah. Um, so if we're talking about Under the Abaya, I just wanted to ask who came up with this amazing name. I love the name. Thank you. Uh, so that it was basically, like I said, in 2016, I was asked to talk about myself as a female entrepreneur in Saudi Arabia under this program with Ithra and Hubbard. Um, they were sending out like an, a director, they sent out a, um, an architect and they sent out, you know, for me, it was, a, I guess just being female, you know, X chromosomes and a, and a, and a green passport. But so I was like, okay, instead of me just going there and talking about myself, let me do a little film because I'm a creative director and a communications consultant and write this monologue and have these 12 female designers be part of it. And, and so I went there and that's what happened. It was like, why under the abaya? And I said, because it's about the clothes we wear underneath the abaya. It's about the fashion and the people, us as women, who we are. Um, and I have to tell you, my first sponsor, Cadillac, asked me to change the name. They said it was too controversial that people would think that we are basically like, I don't know, um, you know, strip teasing, I guess, like out, out of this abaya. And they're like, don't you think that's going to get a lot of like negative reaction? I said, no, because under the abaya is the Saudi woman. That's who she is. And that's who we're talking about. Um, and so that's how the name kind of evolved. And I stuck to my guns and it paid off now. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. It is sort of symbolic to what we face like every day because people just see the abaya and just make their own assumptions like on a global, if we're talking on a global. Yeah. And even when you were talking about the cameras, because I don't think we have like enough like um, authentic documentaries or like satisfactory documentaries that you could see and be like oh this is Saudi or or people could realize you know, oh like people have their own assumptions about who's this definitely Saudi. well I I think the main issue is that and this is why you know again I've worked 16 years in in media and one of the things that I saw because I started the life and style section for Arab news uh, god knows how many years ago 15 years ago now and when I started that it was because I noticed coming back from the states after graduating in 2007 I came back and I was like why are we copy pasting stories about us from the wire you know from the AP or Reuters or, and I was like, why are we doing that when we're here on the ground? And, you know, because it was just copy paste press releases. And even 
for our own stories. And then it was like, and if you've read any of my interviews or anything about, you know, my talking points about under the by and why I started this, it was the fact that I saw in media that we had this woman dressed all in black, walking five feet behind her man without saying a word. And she was muted on national, you know, international news. And for me, that was just ridiculous because we have so many strong, articulate, um, ambitious women here in Saudi Arabia. And for us to continue to feed this, you know, whatever agenda, media agenda, um, where we're not, you know, we're, we're muted, we're not telling our own stories. And I think forever, if you, you know, that's always been about, you know, everything I do, whether it's life and style section, whether it's under the abaya, whether it's uh, Saudi style council, it's about Saudis narrating their own stories. And it's a line that I've said for over 15 years, and I'm really happy whenever I hear uh, a female designer, someone, you know, quote me and say it again, because yes, let's do it, girl. Let's, let's tell our own stories. And you can steal my line. That's the only line you can steal, though. <laughs> and the rest has to be yours authentically. I, I think that's a great way to end off our discussion. Um, Definitely. 